0: Chris Sheridan. Jason Napolitano. Greetings. <laughs> oh, that was, a, that, was a, that was a cheery greeting. I wasn't expecting yes. that on a, <laughs> on, a, on a quiet Sunday. Thank you for that. <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> i my energy's up for this show today. Cle- clearly. All right.
0: Welcome to the Cosmic Eye Show. We're just going to jump right into this with Chris bringing so much energy to the, to the forefront right away. Uh, I am your host, Jason Napolitano. And as I said, I have on the phone, Chris Sheridan. Chris is the author of The Spirit in the Sky. I am the author of If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate. Today, we are going to talk about uh, music, uh, the esoteric spirituality, connections to music, rock and roll, et cetera. I might talk a little bit about Pythagoras. I'm sure we'll get into some Manly Hall secret teaching somewhere in there. Uh, We're going to let the spirit of music lead us where it will. Uh, speaking of music, on a sad note, uh, Chris lost a friend, Lizzie Gray, who is a beloved member of the Los Angeles music scene, and we wanted to just pay our respects to him. Uh, he uh, died last Sunday, so Chris, if you wanted to talk a little bit about that before we start the show, please do.
1: Well, sure, it's, uh, and thank you for the opportunity. It's worth uh, worth mentioning if you're ever interested or have had an interest in the 80s, uh, even the 70s in LA, the Sunset Strip music scene with all the glam bands and hair bands that came out of that era, uh, there was one very central band in that whole recipe called London. And that was Lizzie Gray, my singer, who just passed at 80, Uh Back in 79, uh, he started that band, Nikki Six from Motley Crue, was the bass player. And if you watch the Motley Crue movie on Netflix, you see, uh, there, you know, they show the London band playing in the early part of it as part of the history. And uh, and throughout uh, the uh, span of the London band, uh, members from Mata Hoople, from Guns N' Roses, like Izzy Stradlin and Slash both played in the uh, band Blackie Lawless from Wasp, Fred Corey from Cinderella. Um, just, it was almost like a who's who uh, had some, it's like doing a Roger Corman film, you know, it's at some point you kind of got to do one and you have to spend a few, few months in London uh, and then you go on to do great things. But uh, ironically, Lizzie never really got uh, the, uh, you know, national attention. Uh, he got a lot of respect because people knew who he was um, you know, throughout all that time. But uh, it seems like the other people that played in this band got uh, a, a bit more fame and fortune Along with it, uh, but he kept playing, and uh, I started playing with him in his uh, most recent band, Spiders and Snakes. Uh, and um, shortly after I joined the band, it's about seven or eight years ago. Seven years ago, uh, I noticed he was having trouble playing guitar on some of the parts, and then he had me do most of the leads, and he would just play rhythm. And then it got worse and worse, and he was diagnosed with Parkinson's, uh, Lewy body, uh, which is you know, really mysterious uh, diseases of you know, neurology that, that's you know, seems to be going around a lot. Not sure how he got it and was never really able to, uh, you know, find treatment that uh, did more than just sort of help him sustain life uh, longer. And it got so bad that he couldn't even play guitar anymore. And the last time we went in the studio, he uh, he sat next to me and he would sing uh, the guitar parts, uh, that he heard in his head. And then I would go like this, blink, blink, blink. And he's like, no, it's not it. A little more. And then we finally got this communication together where, uh, I could sense what he was trying to describe. And, and he kept, he you know, confirmed that I was nailing what, uh, what he had in mind. So, uh, and then he could still sing. He still had enough, uh, body power to sing. And, okay, great. Um, you know, and, uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's just somebody that, um, you know, really helped out a lot of people, uh, great body of work, uh, music. Um, and, uh, you know, and that's the thing about some to of our topics, you know, today is, is on music. That's something yeah. he did, um, really until he died, even just as short as two weeks ago, he was talking to one of his other old bandmates, um, about getting together and re-recording some of the songs, which he still at that time, even just a couple weeks ago, had the energy for, and it was just a very quick, uh, downturn. And, yeah uh, and and but the music lives on we you know we have recorded uh, music and his music can live on and that's the important thing is there uh is there
0: some of his stuff up on on youtube could the listener find uh london songs and spiders and
1: snakes songs up there is that <sighs> yeah is a to find? well you can find well you can find a bunch of stuff but it's uh there was such a span of time i think he had spiders and snakes 20 years i was only in the band seven years but, okay uh, so there's a lot of releases a lot of okay. different versions of things but um if you want the early london actually listen to motley Crue's first record uh there's a song called public enemy that uh that nicky six and and lizzie uh wrote together that's okay. that, that's still on the uh, electra um motley crew too fast for love their debut album uh, all right fantastic uh so that's kind of a and that bridges both you know nikki took it to motley Crue, but it was a song that he and lizzie wrote in london uh before nikki started motley crew so fantastic all yeah. right
0: well lizzie rest in peace yes i didn't get a chance to meet him unfortunately but i have uh i have heard some of the music that you shared with me and uh and some of the stories you guys uh you know, some of the stories from the times you guys were working together and so on, and I have that to appreciate. So cool. may he journey into the other world peacefully? Absolutely.: All right, so let's speak about music, spirituality, esoteric subjects, maybe the occult, etc. Uh, obviously, you know we're all familiar with uh, some of the occult influences in rock and roll with Led Zeppelin uh, with, uh, speaking of Motley Crue and, uh, you know, some of the, like their big hit really shout at the devil, uh, some of the kind of, uh, images that they were playing with, with black Sabbath and, you know, Dio and countless other, you know, bands, deep purple, I think had a lot of, uh, esoteric and occult, uh, symbolism in their work, uh, blue eyes Zeppelin. occult Zeppelin, of course, uh, Jimmy page was, uh, was a well-known fan of, of Crowley's work. And I think, uh, the tarot in general, but, uh, particularly Thalema and, um, and Crowley's uh, brand of, of magic, um, and so on. And I think, uh, you know, there's, what's that book actually, I don't remember the title of, we were talking about this before. I think it was published a, a year or two ago that, that book that was talking about, uh, rock and roll and the occult and how the occult saved the music business or something like this are you familiar with this what i'm talking Uh, about
1: the title of this sounds familiar i don't don't know know why
0: i reference because i don't know the title yeah i do i do this (laughs) this partial reference there (laughs) here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna give a partial reference right now and since Mike, i am not in front of a computer and i don't like messing with my phone while we're doing the show I will uh I will look that up and I will put uh that book in um in the uh description of the show because it actually has uh, a lot of really good information. I watched a couple videos about it and so on and the author did some really great uh deep investigative work on uh on this very subject. That's not the only thing we're going to talk about, but I just wanted to kind of reference those ideas mm-hmm. and you know obviously with the Beatles uh the Beatles uh there was a lot of esoteric influence from Maharishi and uh, you know, talking about meditation, the certain sort of mystical traditions of India that mm-hmm. helped to kind of bring that Eastern flavor of thought to uh, to the U.S. in the '60s. Uh, George Harrison, obviously, you know, yeah. as an option. Jai Guru uh, Deva oh. Sure, right. <laughs> I mean, this is all. This all, you know, music helped to bring a lot of these different um, traditions to the forefront. And now, you know, yoga, everybody knows yoga, meditation. It's like mainstream you know business as usual stuff now um and and the whole even the whole kind of new age market you know and this gigantic multi-billion dollar new age business that's been created was the, from the seeds of this um you know this musical and uh, cultural revolution that took place during the 60s i mean we have to be honest about that so you know it really uh, most of this comes out of that obviously it's built on a lot more ancient foundations and you know, Freemasonry and these esoteric movements and so on that, you know, that, that were there before. But I would say that, that popular music, especially rock and roll really helped to popularize those movements, you know, Jimi Hendrix and the, and the, and the psychedelic experience. And then that, you know, goes into, to all the mind expansion stuff into Terrence McKenna and, you know, and, and Leary and, 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 and that whole, you know, kind of movement of, of psychedelia that, that even, you know, still is very, very popular today. Now, now it's, you know, moved more towards, towards, uh, you know, DMT and, and some of these, these newer, uh, these newer psychedelics, but, you know, there's still the old plant-based stuff, the, the, uh, the mushroom stuff and, and the peyote and all of that. So, you know, all this stuff comes out of sixties music. Let's be honest with
1: ourselves, uh, rock and roll for the most part. Right. I think so. And those, yeah. you know, two are linked. I mean, even the troubadours um, centuries ago were travelers and they were magical in their own way. They had a whole, it was like a secret society. They had their own kind of cult um, together. So, the, you know, music and mystical things. I think, I think maybe what we also saw in the 60s was maybe a reuniting of those things that maybe had been more linked in the past with music, well, that's a great way to put and it, and philosophy, and and um, mysticism, and even some spiritual, uh, you know, study. It was a resurrection Direction as well, wasn't it? A resurrection yeah. of
0: those things. Yeah, yeah,
1: and um, so maybe it's a, in modern dress and and modern drugs, I guess, um, and modern, <laughs> uh, you know, electrical music, sure. uh, electrical guitars. Yeah, um, for sure, but uh, though maybe those seeds of those or, you know, had maybe been lying dormant or something. But definitely what we see today and what we know today is a direct result of that uh, renaissance, I guess, of the the 60s. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, even I think about my own life, for example. I know we're going to talk about your stuff as well. Uh, But in my own life, I mean, I was, um, you know, pretty involved with with music and, you know, doing some singing and stuff. And nothing ever really took off. But, I mean, I was very into the band scene and stuff in – in Seattle in the nineties at the time of the sort of grunge music thing. I hate to use that term grunge because it's kind of an out- outside term they threw onto it, but basically the Seattle, the Seattle music scene in the nineties and uh, you know, Pearl Jam, obviously Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and all those guys came out of that, that movement, Honey and some of these other bands people might or might not be familiar with. Uh, screaming trees, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, for, for me though, you know, when I was playing like a lot of the influence and actually a lot of the influences on those bands were, you know, sixties rock and roll Um, and, you know, a lot of the arena rock and stuff from the seventies and then punk rock and so forth. But a lot of it drew on, you know, stuff that was, that was from the sixties, at least for inspiration and I know for myself, like one of the big influences for me, especially, you know, writing, trying to write lyrics and trying to write poetry and stuff was was Jim Morrison. And then through Jim Morrison, you know, from The Doors, uh, you know, I started reading Al- Aldous Huxley, Doors of Perception. Um, and then I began to read some of the, you know, the French poetry of Baudelaire and Rimbaud and, you know, kind of led down this this rabbit hole of stuff. And, it, you know, there's a, there's a whole sort of mystical tradition going you know back to William Blake and even further back that is all kind of wrapped up in in the the sort of um, modern you know version of that which is you know music and rock and roll and you know even today I mean it goes on today like the modern iterations of this would be like what's going on in the electronic music scene with you know trance and I don't know all the different genres of electronic music by any means but I know a lot of it is wrapped up in uh, you know, in psychedelic and mind expansion stuff and different frequencies and harmonies and, mm-hmm. you know, the Pythagorean stuff and, you know, the psychedelic experiences and so on. So it becomes a very sort of shamanic journey in a sense, you know, the music itself kind of providing that container wherein, you know, the, the, the expansion of consciousness uh, takes place and starts to bloom out of you know, we place ourselves in that, in that environment and around that particular harmony, around those energies, different people, maybe it's a sort of rave like dance experience or whatever it is. Um, you know, so, so, so it continues even to this day, it continues even to this day. And I, so getting back to you, I know, um, even when, you know, for those of you that don't know and haven't read Chris's book or are not familiar with his music, Chris was in, um, in a band and you know he played on sunset strip with a lot of those bands he was talking about earlier that that uh you know lizzie was involved with there was a pretty tight knit group of musicians back back in the day in the 80s right uh yeah it was
1: it was a a community of people a community uh, for sure and a lot of competition but it was it, it was kept within the bounds of the community that that was never um like a family
0: yeah uh, That that's was fantastic yeah you know. So I I know for for you, even though, you know, you were doing a lot of partying in those years, obviously, and, Mm -hmm. you know, probably living pretty recklessly as we all were in the 80s, um, you also had a sort of side to yourself uh, that was more spiritual and and after shows and stuff like that. I mean, people would come to you and 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 ask you advice and kind of like rap with you about different subjects and, you know, and you guys would 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 study together, I mean, kind of informally and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And and you used to what, what were some of the things you were reading back
1: then and some of the things you were interested in? Um, well, I read The Silver Mind Control Method in 1984. I was on tour and whacked out of speed in, in Phoenix, of all places. And, uh, um, I, uh, and I read that book just because to, to try to learn to, my, to meditate. Uh, my mom had done TM when I was a kid, and I just I never was allowed to do it. So um, I just felt it was kind of weird, plus I didn't feel like I <laughs> was invited. Um, so this was sort of my way of, of well, doing you have that. to be
0: initiated into TM to do it. So that's yeah, the, I, and you weren't initiated, right? No, no. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there you go. Okay, um, so no, no TM, so for, no you. TM for you,
1: partner. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I did the Silva thing. You know, basically, actually, just counting backwards from ten on the breath and. Um, really focusing on that was about all I needed to uh, to come down from speed because that that was one of my drugs. So choice. I love I love um, that
0: your spiritual experience <laughs> with meditation begins and So I was trying to come down from speed and dot well, dot dot. Well, it worked.
1: <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Said it so I figured if it can, if, if you're you know bouncing off walls and you know for two and a half days. Um, and this method can kind of bring you down to calmness. What if you're already semi-calm? <laughs> it it you know, can bring you great, even. You that's know? a
0: great sales pitch for meditation, yeah. right there. By the way, it's like, listen, if it can bring this guy down and talk him out of a tree, exactly. imagine what it can do for a normal person like you, <laughs>
1: like, right? Oh,
0: that's that's, that's beautiful. well,
1: it was proof. I didn't. I didn't have to believe anything. I yeah. tried it, and it worked. And you know, well, that's
0: uh, what I tell people about meditation. It's one of these things. You don't need to believe in it. It's no. not like like some kind of superstitious theory you need to try it out if it works yeah. do it if it doesn't work don't do it anyway go ahead I'm sorry um
1: uh, yeah so with that you know I mean I had always been interested in um you know the big questions anyway even as a little kid you know I was you know, very interested in um you know Egyptian things we had a, I grew up in kind of an academic household so we had a bunch of books and uh things around museums and uh, un- you know, for a family trip. I grew up in a
0: household where you got beat up if you carried around a book. So not in my own household, but, <laughs> but outside the house. I can't tell you how many times I got in fights for carrying books around. You know what I mean? Anyway, so hey, it's, God, it's God bless you and your, and, your,
1: and your nurturing environment. Well, you ended up embracing it in spite of your thing. And I, I did. Rejecting it. Yeah, Um, just despite my, (laughs) of course, I I recaptured it later on, fast forward a couple of years later, I'm living in L.A. and in Hollywood, uh, just right across from the alley of the Cat House nightclub, this really notorious place where everybody went. Uh, And and then, you know, so I'd go there at night and stumble home, uh, you know, after hours. And then in the next day, I'm out sitting on the steps to this cruddy apartment building, reading the Tao of physics by Friedrich Capra and I'm underlining things and I'm learning about quantum mechanics. And, you know, so it was, it was this parallel thing with the drugs and the partying, and the sunset strip and the hairspray and everything else that was going on. And then I've got, you know, I'm reading Zen and I'm, uh, you know, just uh, Velikovsky. I got into Velikovsky and worlds in collision and some of these, you know, catastrophism uh, theories of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of the earth's history and how yeah. it affected culture uh so and they were all very synthetic there was a did lot did you of, read uh von danken's book then too the ancient well, i had seen a movie when i was a kid, kid when it came yeah. out in the 70s it's such um, a great movie i love that movie oh and it blew me away and i was just like oh of course you know it was yeah. a believer ever since
0: so what i uh, forgot what the what's the what is the title of that movie that's suddenly a series of the gods, oh, of gods. Mark. it's a that's question right mark, it's not that's,
1: yeah Peter, an exclamation point. It's Trace yeah. of the Gods. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that.
0: For that reading. Because yes. in case people didn't know what a question yeah. mark was, you just elucidated how we form questions in English. Well, by a, I mean, by it's, a it's not a common movie, it'll, uh, thing,
1: <laughs> You're you right. Yeah, yeah, Unless no. it's like Who Framed Roger Rabbit or something, maybe then that but you didn't say that correctly. A question. it's who framed roger rabbit but... so sorry, like... exactly see yeah. you're getting it now you're... i'm getting
0: it i'm yes. getting it right. my esl is is starting to really pay off my esl learning so yeah. anyway i'm sorry um
1: so yeah i i just had this double life in a way in even within a four hour period yeah uh, and to me it was a balancing thing and i never really let one or the other one go uh, it even got to the point where on tour, I'd be in some place in Arkansas or you know Massachusetts or wherever, and, um, and after the gig, um, people would come by, and I would do terrible and and blow people away because obviously I had no prior knowledge or yeah you know anything. Um, so uh,
0: what deck did you use by the way back then? Uh, just the Rider deck,
1: the Rider way. Good, uh, yeah, good. Uh, That's a good be, beginner good, deck. You know, deck. Yeah, uh, and I, you know, did it for a while that I was doing it often enough that I could, you know, didn't even have to look at the cheat guide. I could, just, you know, lay my thing out and yeah. But it's like, oh, how would you know that? Wow, it's spot on, dude. You know, or something. Yeah. So yeah. you know, I it, even then, even though they seemed like competing or parallel things, they they intermingled they fit and together mixed together well, didn't and, they? Yeah. And what blew me away is as I got you know more into studying uh, history of philosophy and esoteric traditions uh, to find out really how linked uh it was back then to uh studies you know music and geometry and mathematics and astronomy all went together yeah they yeah. weren't electives those were those were core <laughs> and music one exactly. of them you know, um because it was the math involved very very mathematical as well as it is spiritually ethereal and uh all these other things and feeling and vibrations. Let me pop in really quickly on oh, yeah. something. Cause
0: you sent this to me and I, I absolutely love it. The the Donald Duck video on Pythagorean mathematics and uh and music, uh which is on YouTube. It you can look you can see the whole thing if you look up um Donald Duck math math magic, right? Yes. As one word, math magic. And it's Donald Duck traipsing around in this this magical world. I think it's what's from the late 50s or something, or early 60s. Yes, yeah, it a is... crappy uh,
1: era where, you know, animation looked really crappy. It looked really good in the 40s and 50s, and then it kind of got crappy anyway.
0: You know what? I actually like the way it looks. I like the, uh, yeah. I, li- I don't know, there's something kind of kind of kitschy and old school about it. I mean, especially now, you know, it's very minimal, I think it was a minimal, the minimalist, uh, minimalist style. Yeah, influence. exactly. Yeah. I mean that, that, the, obviously the animation and something like a snow white or something, I mean, those are, those are masterpieces mm-hmm. of artwork, but, but the fifties the and sixties stuff that they did, especially for the educational stuff, it was, it was a lot of fun. I dug it.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but the, um, Anyway, that video is, is a really cool introduction to sort of sacred geometry, mathematics, Pythagorean thought and so on. So if you have not seen it, uh, please watch it. And, and what is amazing is I think they actually used to show this in school. And I mean, Donald Duck is being like initiated into Pythagorean wisdom and he comes up with the sign of the pentagram on his on his on his hand. He, has, he actually has a hand at the, end of his, uh, at the end of his wings. Well, he doesn't have wings now that I think about it. But uh, genius. The whole thing yeah. is genius. I don't think you could ever show that in school today uh, unless, it, like, unless it were like at a Waldorf school or something, right? I mean, so anyway, I got completely off track, and I, I just wanted to share oh, no. that with people because you sent me that link, and it reminded mm-hmm. me. I, I did actually see that in school as well when I think I must have been in like, uh, like third or fourth grade. Um, cause it reminded me, uh, of that, of that time. And I'm like, wait a minute, we'll watch this in school on a, on a projector. They used to show films for you kids who are not aware, but films used to be films. They, uh, they actually showed them on projectors on a screen in school. i mean, they have screens still obviously. And they project things, but they're, they're, they're video projections now and, uh, and all of that and everything's digital. But these were actually little films that they would run in school, and sometimes they would break, and sometimes they would burn. Remember when the film oh, would yeah. burn, mm-hmm. and then that you'd get that really neat pattern that would like go. But what sucked about that is then you didn't get to watch the movie unless yeah, then uh, you had they had another the copy. And and then something. you had to do some studying, <laughs> or yeah. you know, or read, or some <laughs> some nonsense like that. So <laughs> anyway, anyway, go go ahead. I'm sorry,
1: Pythagoras,
0: oh, that... ancient world, uh, yeah. The learning.
1: Well, sure. Um... I kind of alluding to um, the Pythagorean, of course, we know the right triangle, the A plus, a squared plus B squared equals C squared, the Pythagorean theorem. We had to learn that about around that time, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, although it's mm-hmm. easier to swallow with Donald Duck, uh, uh, given the lesson. Indeed. But the, the four uh, schools, the four main uh, schooling branches were based on number in the Pythagorean discipline. Uh, and one, the first one is just like a arithmetic, pure number. It's just numbers for number's sake, adding, subtracting, multiplying, dividing, all that stuff. Uh, then there was number plus space, uh, and that became geometry. So you have more, you know, two-dimensional, three-dimensional uh, things. So have number plus space. Then there was number plus time, and that was music. That when you talk about meter, it's – there's a measure. <laughs> They're called measures. Um, one, two, three, one, two, three, two – you know, those mm-hmm. are – each one of those, each block of threes, I guess, if you're, we're doing a waltz, uh, those are measures. And you measure things. And it's the meter, the time signature. So there's really the pitch, um, you know, the relation between the tones, even a guitar string, if you, even a single string on a guitar. Um, halfway through, if you hit the fret in the exact halfway point between you know, the two ends of the string where it's stuck to the guitar, uh, that's the octave. So cut it in half and you have an octave. Uh, there's all these proportions and they work every time they're uh, very mathematically sound, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. uh, but that was so important. And then the, so even with, and then, so astronomy, think, well, what does that have to do with music? Well, then with the harmony of the spheres, uh, the music of the spheres. And it was back to astrotheology where you have these seven planets, including the sun and moon, the ones that we can see from an earth centered perspective. And each one has a note Uh, those are the seven tones of the musical scale the do re mi fa so la ti and then do is the eighth which is the octave uh the first note um repeated Um, so it you know it works out just amazing uh, in a mathematical sense um where you think oh gosh music is you know it's it's all right brain it's it's you know you're just listening you know you can close your eyes and you get carried away in the music, and you can, and it's great, and it's vibration, and it transcends, it's the international language, mm-hmm. but it transcends language, uh, but it's, <laughs> the, if you look under the hood, music is really, really mathematical. Yeah. Um, a lot of science, a lot of science. No, for sure. You know, uh, at the end of that Donald
0: Duck thing, there's a Galileo quote, and I love that Disney actually, They, they the, the narrator says it in English, but they put up the Italian version of it, from Galileo, which is la matematica e l'alfabeto, nel quale Dio ha scritto l'universo, which is basically mathematics is the uh, more or less like the alphabet uh, that created that God created the world or wrote the world into being, something like that. Um, with more or less, you know, the universe is written in mathematics. So, you know, that that kind of thing is uh, is 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 an amazing. Uh, you know, discovery, I guess, by human beings that there's all these mathematical, uh, you know, equations and and precisions, you know, sort of underlying everything that that we see. You know, speaking of that, they, they did a really neat job of visualizing, the, like taking the notes and showing those, the the half, you know, the 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 proportion and all that, and then kind of relating that to sacred geometry and balance and proportion in art and all of that, and you can see how. Like the the vibrational qualities, then also translate to visual beauty and balance and proportion in the nature and in in you know in nature itself in the universe you know widely speaking and then in the shapes that are found in 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 creation you know in the in the star shapes and patterns and the spirals and the natural rectangular. Uh, sort of proportion of things and all of these amazing uh, connections, sacred geometry uh, connections and so on. And all of that comes out of uh, uh, those, those same mathematical formulations and ideas that were found in, uh, in music. Right?
1: right. They're so connected with, uh, you know, with the early schooling that um. It couldn't escape it. There was no, so no wonder they were hearing Harmony of the Spheres. Uh, even Holst um, wrote a whole suite uh, of uh, orchestral uh, music, you know, The Planets. Um, Mars, you know, Jupiter, to uh, seven, seven part, uh, you know, a, Opus. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mars one's kind of familiar. I think if you listen to that, you might go, oh, I've heard that maybe in a movie or something. Um, so Manley Hall talks a lot about Uh,
0: Pythagoras and the secret teachings and we haven't done uh, a study on that but I'd like to do that I'd like to do that down the road there's actually a great uh, a great chapter on Pythagorean theory of music and color it's chapter uh, 17 Um, I'm going to read a little bit of this because I like it it's just the just the beginning portion of it. but I think later on we can we can do a a show on on this chapter alone uh, if you're uh, if you're down for that sure All right, so harmony is a state recognized by great philosophers as the immediate prerequisite of beauty. A compound is termed beautiful only when its parts are in harmonious combination. The world is called beautiful and its creator is designated the good because good perforce must act in conformity with its own nature. And good acting according to its own nature is harmony because the good which it accomplishes which it accomplishes is harmonious with the good which it is beauty therefore is harmony manifesting its own intrinsic nature in the world of form in the world of form so manley hall says very nicely and and beautifully there about the connection between beauty and form and harmony vibration and sound you know of course we have the the the, the idea of the word as being uh, you know, the, the creator of, of, of the, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And that's the, the sort of creator of this vibrational idea, the idea that Om, Yes. Was, you know, or the vib- vibratory force is what brought the universe into existence and so on. So vibration and form and, and beauty and c- the construction of this sort of physical reality we live in seem to be uh, tied to vib- to vibration, to sound, to that sort of intentional Uh, intentional uh, movement of, of, you know, that vibrational pattern uh, and so forth. So, so obviously there's, there's a, there's a deep connection between sound, music, vibration, harmony, and uh, you know, our spiritual lives and, and this physical reality that we live in, you know, there's a certain uh, harmony to anything that we find beauty, uh, beautiful, Um, you know, and those are a lot of those ideas they're, you know, they're ancient, uh, but a lot of those ideas are found particularly in the Greek philosophy. Their ideas of beauty and balance and harmony and proportion and stuff were really brought to um, a high level uh, in Greece. All right, that's going to about do it for the show today. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you for listening to this show on music, spirituality, the esoteric, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, we covered a lot of ground and we hope that it was an enjoyable ride for you guys. Uh, again, um, May Lizzie Gray rest in peace. Thank you for sharing your stories about him and about uh, rock and roll in L.A. Chris, appreciate it. Sure. Um, we will be here each week, actually twice a week now. Uh, we do our midweek show, which is a little more free form. Um, thank you for joining us again. As I said, please support us if you can. We're at anchor.fm slash cosmic eye. Uh, Chris's website is chrissheridan.com. Uh, the Cosmic Eye website is at cosmiceye.org. Uh, Chris is the author of Spirit in the Sky. I'm the author of If You Can't Worry, You Can Meditate. So check out our stuff if you get a chance. Uh, thanks again for joining us. We will be here again soon. And Chris, thank you. Appreciate your help. Oh, thank you for having me. All right, everybody have a great week. Goodbye and God bless.